0: The Plan with Callahan podcast is brought to you by Callahan Wealth, an office of Northeast Planning Associates. Financial planning is hard. Let them make it easy, one step at a time. Financial planning offered through Northeast Planning Associates, a registered investment advisor. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and member FINRA SIPC. NPA and LPL are not affiliated. Now on with the show. Let me have your attention for a moment. Because you're talking about what? You're talking about... Money, money, money. Ah, high finance. (laughs) Bulls, bears, people from Connecticut. That's as good as money, sir. Those are IOUs. I'm Tommy
1: Callahan, big Tom Callahan's son. You like Huey Lewis on the news?
0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Plan with Callahan podcast. I am your host, Ryan Callahan. It really couldn't have been more timely. The first episode of the podcast was centered around life and disability insurance and the tragic events that happened during Monday Night Football between the Bengals and the Bills with DeMar Hamlin collapsing on the field, an event any sports fan watching will never forget. Now, here we are only a few months later, And it was just announced today that DeMar Hamlin has been cleared to return to the field. What a story. One where I would be lying if I thought DeMar Hamlin would live a normal life, let alone put the pads back on and walk onto the field. Congratulations to Mr. Hamlin and his family. Great vibes to start today's show. And we're sticking with the topic of life insurance because as great of a story as DeMar Hamlin's is, There are countless stories that go the other way, families left with financial ruin while dealing with personal hardship and an uncertain future. Today, we get to welcome another bulldog to the podcast, Mr. Mike Locke with Globe Life. Mike is a licensed insurance producer and an accredited advisor in insurance. Mike and I had the pleasure of playing football together at Bryant, where after his graduation, he got into the family business of being a restaurateur before changing his path and focusing on educating individuals and families on the value of protection. Mike is a husband, stepfather to two teenagers, while continuing to develop and grow his practice. So Mike, thank you so much for joining the Playing With Callahan podcast, my man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. It's a pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's been a while. You know, you and I went to Bryant together, played football together, all those things. I definitely got some memories there. And uh, as I started this podcast, I've been reaching out to a lot of former teammates, former classmates, because there's just been so much success over the last 15 years with a lot of those folks. And a lot of people have great stories, and they're running great businesses. And when you had reached out to me with interest in having a conversation, you know, I was excited because you are a American dream type story from someone who's worked their way up organically. And now you started this uh, business on the life insurance side. And, you know, if you could just kind of take us from the beginning in terms of what was the impetus to make that move and and how has it been so far for you
1: yeah so number one thanks for having me on um you know I've listened to a few of the episodes in the beginning to catch up on you a little bit and' um, it's, it's been great you know catching up with you a little bit before we started recording but uh yeah starting you know like you said it, it's been a, a little bit of an American dream for me um you know after I left Brian, um, you know, I went, ended up getting into my family's business, uh, as a restaurateur and, um, you know, we ran a restaurant for a solid, you know, 20 years or so. Uh, my father and my mother already had run it for 15 years before that. Um, you know, as time went on, the business just wasn't for me, you know, it was one of those things that I feel like was weighing on me and I needed to move on and, uh, from there, I have got into a sales job that was right up my alley uh, doing sports fundraising. We were dealing a lot with athletics and, um, you know, high schools, colleges, trying to raise money for them so they could buy things that they really needed for their teams, you know, whether it's going to camps, equipment itself, uh, a lot of things. And then from there, uh, COVID hit. So after COVID hit, all those sports teams that we were working with obviously ended up going away. Uh, So once they ended up going away, the company folded and I was out of work. And I was looking for something that I believed in and something that I could be passionate about. And uh, I came across, you know, uh, life insurance and, you know, I firmly believe in that I've had friends and family that have uh, passed away without any coverage whatsoever. And then, you know, you see, you know, those pages, the GoFundMe pages and, you know, a lot of people are contributing trying to make sure that the family you know, that's left behind has some money for, you know, school has money for just to pay bills, you know, just to feed themselves, you know, cover the mortgage. And that was something that, you know, really rung true with me. So uh, when I had an opportunity to, uh, you know, make my own business and, you know, make it successful and help people um, while doing it helping families, protecting the families and their loved ones, uh, I jumped at it. So um, I've been doing it for now for uh, just about three years, you know, so I'm still young in the business, but I've I've been very successful. Uh, thank you, you know, to you know, hard work and having support from my wife and uh, family members as well as, you know, the, the people I work with. And um, it's allowed me, since I've started three years ago, I've been able to protect over 700 families since I've started. Wow. So wow. It's, uh, it's something I'm passionate about, obviously, and I think that helps um, when you share that passion.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're the second person that I've actually interviewed that made a change due to COVID. Um, I've done a previous podcast uh, with someone who started a sports media company with COVID because, yeah, he's like, what am I going to do? I'm not just going to sit on my hands here and say what was me because the world shut down. I'm going to take a passion of mine and, you know, turn it into a business. And with you, you know, you went through the hard times of, yeah, sports programs. Who would have ever thought that sports programs would have totally shut down in our lifetime? And then it happened, and that was your direct business. And you could have said, "Well, it was me," and you, and you know, you could have, you know, just found the easy way out. But no, you decided to make a total career change and go into something that was new to you, but it really wasn't because you had seen the experience of it and the benefits of it. Um, and then took it to the next level and to service 700 families in a matter of a few years is is huge. Um, just to, you know, give a quick story on that point. And I know that you're going to have more of those stories that you're going to share today. But, yeah, we recently saw it with um, a very close uh, friend of my wife's from high school. So um, guy was 35 years old, uh, married, 18 year, 18 month old baby, uh, dropped out of a heart attack. And, um, you know, that that shook me personally, but that really shook me. Um, we went to the same gym, all of that. I didn't know him as well as my wife did and obviously her friends. But the first thing you think of is his wife and his kid. And it just crushes you because, you know, there's an 18 month old boy. Um, this guy was a former athlete. You know, he was looking forward to spending a lot of time with his son and he's not going to have that. And And personally, I don't know. Um, what their financial situation was or what they had for insurance. But to your point, the GoFundMe page came out. And I know that that was crucial because, yeah, he may have not had enough life insurance for that situation. Um, And again, these are, it's all anecdotal, but when it's real, right, that's when it matters most. And, um, you know, again, I think the insight that you're going to share today on just kind of what you've learned about life insurance and, how you've either seen the impact of it or even had to correct mistakes that maybe were made for some folks when they first bought policies, I'm I'm very interested in. So tell me a little bit about, you're with Globe Life, it's it's, uh, American Income Life, Globe Life's the the parent company. Um, Tell me about kind of how you found them and what it's really been like so far for you and who you're working with. Yeah,
1: so um, like I said, during COVID, I really wanted to find something quickly. I didn't want to sit around and collect money from the government. That's not me. And um, I I ended up applying at a bunch of different places. Um, You know, uh, all good companies, you know, Northwestern Mutual, New York Life, you know, all the big ones you can think of. I've received a call from um, my now manager. Um, You know, he's the state general agent for uh, Rhode Island and um, Southeastern Massachusetts. So he runs that territory. And, he, he gave me a call, we had a conversation about exactly what the company does. We work pretty much exclusively with union members and associate members across the country. So labor unions, um, you know, United Food and Service workers, um, electricians, every union you can think. of. And uh, the fact that it was tied in with working families was a really, se- really good selling point to me um, as a employee coming in. Made me think, you know, most people that are doing pretty well financially, you know, they might be working with a financial advisor, but to a blue collar worker that is making a, a good living, but can't necessarily afford, you know, a, a large investment at this time, but still needs something to protect his income or protect his mortgage, um, make sure that he can at least cover his, his funeral or her funeral. Um, that was something that uh, was attractive to me. And uh, I, I knew that it was a, a way for me to protect a lot of families and do it quickly. And, um, you know, this, that's why this company is unique in the sense, you know, you don't see advertising, you know, global life is the number nine insurance company in the world. You don't see advertising for them very often because of our relationships with those, you know, the AFL and CIO, um, you know, trunk before he passed away, uh, not too long ago, he was a big proponent of us being used by all the unions. And to this day, we still do. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's kind of how I, I came across them and why I, I chose them for my career path and, you know, becoming a contracted agent with them.
0: Yeah. So yeah. it's it's a lot of union folks. Right. They, they need that guidance um, in terms of the experience so far. I mean, what have you been dealing with? I mean, have you been has it been writing brand new business? Has it been fixing old business, a little bit of a mix? What's going on?
1: Yeah, so a lot of it is uh, writing new business, for sure. You know, we we try to service, you know, obviously, you know, the, the union members themselves. They send back information to us. They receive it back, uh, you know, to their home from the unions with all of our information. They send in anything that they're interested in. We call, service them. And, you know, today's day and age, we meet with them over Zoom. And mm-hmm. we go over all the options for them and try to select the best one. We try to advise them on which plan works best. It's affordable, you know, something that's only about one to 2% of their net income every, every month. So Mm -hmm. it's not something that's going to put them in the poor house if they continue on. And even if they lose their job for a little bit, they can still afford it. So that's primarily, you know, what we're doing. We do service, you know, people that, you know, when they first start, a lot of them don't necessarily get the policies that they want. It's what they can afford. Mm -hmm. So as their situations improve, Um, You know, they do want to add on more coverage if they end up buying a house down the road, have kids. Obviously, they want to have some more coverage on themselves, too. But we do that. And then, you know, they're allowed to sponsor, you know, friends and family, um, you know, for some of the same free things that they get through you know the company, as well as uh, some coverage for themselves. You know, but uh, they have to be a union member. They have to know somebody in order to get those. uh, So it's kind of similar.
0: uh, Did you say similar to USAA? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. So again, these are solutions that you can only get if you're affiliated with these unions, as opposed to something you just pick up off the street. Exactly. You know,
1: so USAA, it's veterans and their families, very similar with us as union members and their families. Um, They have to be with the union for a certain amount of time. And then they're allowed to, you know, um, know, sponsor other family members. And, uh, you know, there's a margin on that where we try to, you know, Help as many people as we can. But um, you know, it, it's exclusive to them because it's important. They're part of a brotherhood or a sisterhood, you know, within their their job and within their line of work. And it's important to them to,
0: you know, keep those benefits exclusive to them and their loved ones. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a cliche like first kid in the family to graduate from college, but I came from a union family, you know, yep. starting with my grandfather, you know, then my father, my uncle, my cousin. Um, yeah, they were all Heavy construction, you know, Local 51, out of Rhode Island, you know, paving highways. Yep, Um, we work with them, man. We work
1: with the Local 51.
0: Yeah, paving paving the uh, runways at TF Green Airport, right, all that stuff. And just blue-collar guys who are, you know, my father, you know, prime example. He's paving asphalt and, you know, 90-degree heat. You know, with how many degrees are coming up from below from the asphalt, he's got a cigarette in his mouth and he's just he's living a hard life, you know. And um, yeah, I mean, he uh, unfortunately, he you know, he passed in 2021 um, from lung cancer. And I look back and I go, yeah, I mean, those those are the guys that no one talks about, that there's no there's no denying that. Yeah, sure. The cigarettes definitely didn't help. But also the asphalt that he was inhaling for how many years he was on that paver. Um yeah. definitely had an impact. And, you know, he was kind of like a cliche union guy who, yeah, he wasn't making millions of dollars or anything like that, but he had fantastic benefits. Um, so when my mother got sick, you know, we had Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and that helped out tremendously. Um, and then he had his annuity, right? And all that yeah. stuff. And yeah, it's um there's there's absolutely a, a need for the education and the services that you're providing to folks who, you know, are living that lifestyle and doing those kind of jobs. Um You know, it's funny on my side of the business, you know, I'm on the I'm in the investment world, but I do also write life insurance as well. Um, I I've done research over the last 13 years and I am not a black and white kind of guy. I, I am very gray. I try to explain that with my clients and I and I know that whole life has a place. But I also know that it's been you know completely shot down by a lot of pundits that are out there. I can't say that I fully disagree with the cons on whole life, but I do see that depending again on the situation, there is a benefit to have cash value life insurance. How has that experience been? Do you have to fight that a lot when you're trying to talk about those solutions or what's that conversation like for you?
1: Yeah. You know, speaking to what you had said about some of the pundits out there, you know, a prime example is David Ramsey, who obviously, you know, I agree with 99% of the things he says. I think he's putting out a great message. Um, but he primarily promotes term life insurance, which is, you know, pretty much what we do, but we also offer whole life. And I think in you know certain situations, it does have um, its place, you know, depending on the person's age, health. There's a million different factors, you know, writing life insurance. You know, the underwriting is very complex sometimes. And, you know, just their age, where they are in their life, their bills, if they have, uh, like you said, annuities, if they have pensions all these different things, Uh, sometimes people, and it's also what they want, you know, sometimes people just want the security of having something that they know is growing cash value at this rate, you know, for a certain amount of time, it's guaranteed fixed uh, premium that they're going to be paying for the rest of their life. Sometimes they want to have a paid up policy, which you well know Mm -hmm. Um, those that don't, don't know a paid up policy usually is anywhere between, you know, 65 or 80. So they're only paying for that whole life policy until a certain age, and then they keep that for the rest of their life. So, you know, the majority of the ones that I choose for people are usually paid up 65 or, you know, designed to be paid up. So they're not paying when they're retired, when they have a fixed income. So, um, and I usually try to make sure that it's something that is only around for their final expenses. I think the, you know, the major part of, You know, Ramsey's side of the the business and his opinion on, you know, whole life and everything else is you have those agents out there um, that are either new, don't know what they're talking about for the most part. And they push whole life on them um, because it's obviously their compensation might be a little bit better, um, be paying in for the rest of their life. And, uh, you know, they try to push those higher premiums, you know, promising them large cash value. Uh, But what happens is, especially with the clientele I work with, they don't have that amount of money to put towards. They might like that, and they might like the idea of it. But in real life, things pop up. You know, medical issues pop up, you know, bills that you weren't expecting. You know, the furnace can go. And they end up having to choose between something that is that they need. You know, if their furnace goes in the winter, they've got to fix that. So they need to cut places a lot of times you know if it's not tangible for them, which sometimes a lot of people life insurance isn't, they'll choose to cut that in order to fix something else. Right. And if the premium is too large, that's even more of a reason. So I usually only push that in the right situation. Mm-hmm. I think my my clients appreciate that and they know that. Um, they know that I'm not putting them in a position where, they're going to be um, in the poorhouse, you know, paying for a policy for the rest of their life. And at the same time, you know, we can still cover them for term insurance, you know, make sure that that term is correct. So during that time that they're working and their family's dependent upon their income in order to cover, you know, their their lifestyle, in order to cover their house and everything else, they have that in place too. So. Uh, like I said, my opinion, his whole life has its place, but, uh, you know, it, it's got to be the right situation for sure.
0: So well, uh, I like what I you said was, about uh, how you handle the premium on it, you know, because like if I, you know, if I'm writing, let's say a disability policy for somebody who needs disability, and again, the first episode I ever did, you know, for this podcast was about Demar Hamlin
1: yeah. and
0: about how, you know life insurance and disability insurance works and if you don't have it and you're in a similar situation like that you know the odds are twice as high that you're going to actually become disabled as opposed Mm -hmm. to having a premature death and if you look at the percentage of people in this country that have disability insurance versus life it's about half so it's the exact opposite right of what it should be and again we're running those quotes on those disability numbers every time We're focusing on a premium to be around that one to two percent, you know, of their annual income. So to your to your point, you're not putting them right in the poorhouse. You also made the point of how there are people out there that may need a policy, but they're not getting what they actually want right now because of how much that premium would be. And that's, again, another good thing as well. And, and you know, as, as well as I do, you can come up with different strategies and you can get very creative. We do it on the term side a lot of someone, you know, needs more insurance over the next 10 years, but they still want to have something for 20. It's like, fine, you do two policies, you yeah. know, do a 10 year and you do a 20 to make sure over the next 10, that's when you're going to have more. And then the 10 year drops off and you still have the 10 years left on the 20 remaining for you. Um, long term care. Right, that's changed a lot as well. the The straight long-term care policies, right? You're you're hard pressed to find one. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's more the hybrid. I think that's become that's still somewhat attractive. Again, regulators who are listening, depending on the situation, but um, yeah, that is considered whole life, right? It's a it's a long-term care policy with uh, a life insurance benefit tied to it. Yeah. So yeah, and and again, the point that you made too about the captive agents in terms of like the compensation, the benefits and all that tied to the production that, that has been kind of, you know, the, the, the tough uh, conversation to have with folks is, Hey, am I doing what's in your best interest or are you really doing this? Because it's going to tie, you know, how much is going to go into your retirement account or, or if you write it, it's going to keep your health insurance benefits
1: or something like that. You know? Yeah. That's a big issue. It's, it's a good, it's a good thing to be able to trust, you know, your financial advisor like you or to trust your life insurance agent. And oftentimes, I think people that, you know, are a little bit too greedy and don't have the best interest for their uh, clients, um, you know, they, they end up getting either found out or um, caught pretty quickly, you know, and uh, they're not really in the business for too long. And, you know, I've seen it just in the short time I've been in the business Um you know, and the, like I said, the ones that are truly there to help and truly there to do what's in their best interest, especially financially, you know, there's nothing more useless than a life insurance policy that lapses after the first four months or year or five years, you know, because it, if it's not affordable for them and um, it's not going to last them to where they really need it, why'd you even take it out in the first place? All right.
0: Exactly. So, again, if you look at mainstream media, uh one of the biggest uh uh documentaries right now on netflix is about bernie madoff uh one of the best shows on cnbc is called american greed which yeah. is about financial advisors that steal people's money right you're never going to hear about the guys and gals who are out there who are doing it the right way right who who are grinding at the beginning of their careers because they are doing it the right way and they're not making a whole heck of a lot of money they're not bernie madoff making you know millions and millions of dollars there's someone who's just trying to stay in business because they believe in what they're doing and they know that in the long run, you know, hopefully it'll come back to them in terms of their own personal success, but that's because it's it was done the right way. It wasn't done in a front loaded manner or, you know, or something along those lines. Um, tell me a little bit just about the first few years, like, you know, some cases you can remember that you you really felt like you helped somebody because I'm sure you've seen that so far.
1: Yeah, you know, when we first spoke,
0: you know about kind of what
1: you and I were going to chat about in this. You know, the first thing that came to mind was exactly what you just said. Sometimes where you know I've helped people out, but also you know giving a little bit of lesson to people that are putting it off. You know that are putting it off that really shouldn't be. Um, you know whether it's a small amount or not. So I, I want to start off with a, a little bit of a, a more serious story, and then end it on a little bit of a lighter note. But. Um, you know, one of the major ones that rings out in my mind where I feel like I, uh, you know, I felt like this was a common issue when I first started. I wasn't necessarily as convincing in the beginning, um, you know, but I, I, I honed my skills in order to, uh, to help people out. And I think this story really helped me out in that. Where, you know, I met a couple a few years ago, basically right when I first started, Roger and Joanne. I'm obviously not going to use their full names for for uh, legal reasons. But um, I met with Roger and Joanne. We had a great conversation. Uh, he was an old football player. So he and I got along really well. Um, they they lived out in the Cape, which is where I grew up going to the Cape every summer with my grandmother and grandfather. I spent a couple of weeks down there. So we hit it off. And you know, just having that conversation, you know, gaining that trust, building rapport throughout that entire process was great. When it came down to you know, trying to figure out the plan that worked best for them. You know, he was uh, more of a procrastinator and, you know, didn't like making a decision on the spot, which, you know, I respect, you know, you want to do your due diligence, you know, but at at that time, you know, he he had really already done a lot of his due diligence. You know, he found the right place. He found the right agent. He knew, you know, from our conversation, I was going to be there to check in with them every year or so and make sure that they're, you know, in the right place. So his, you know, his wife was all about it and he's the one to mull it over. You know, back then I normally wouldn't have taken that, you know what I mean? I would have, you know, yeah. not, not pressured him, but, you know, shown him, you know, the the reasons why, the reason why it's so important. So <clears throat> long story short, I called him again the next week and then the week after that. Um, you know, he told me basically, you know, listen, Mike, you know, I, I appreciate your concern, your persistency, but you, know, you got to give me some time to think. I'll call you. So uh, about two months passed and I I was getting, you know, I had it on my calendar to give him a call. So I gave him a call and uh, his wife answered, Joanne answered. And she had said that, um, you know, Roger couldn't come to the phone that, you know, he was uh, resting. And it seemed a little weird as the middle of the day uh, when I spoke to them and it turned out that uh, during that time he had developed COPD And he had also had a heart attack during just that short amount of time. Now, I knew he was a smoker, but he can still get approved as a smoker, as you know. Um, But, you know, having a heart attack and also developing and being diagnosed with COPD um, just in that short amount of time. I mean, that was devastating. And it made it so he was pretty much uninsurable on everybody's part. Anybody in the business couldn't get him any coverage. So you know the point of that story in general you know it, it can be devastating now is, is you know his wife who really depends on on him they didn't really have any coverage in place um you know he had a small amount where they'd be collecting social security but she really wasn't going to have enough for his funeral she wasn't really going to have enough and she was five, i think five or six years younger than he was so you know and as you know women tend to outlast us anyways Yeah. So if, if he ends up, you know, passing away early. She's not going to have anything even for the burial, and certainly not anything, you know, afterwards to help with the bills and everything. So she'll have to downsize, and it's just going to change her her entire lifestyle. Where you know we we're looking at a pretty significant policy for him, you know, to to cover him mm-hmm. and make sure that he was, you know, financially stable for the rest of his life. But you know, um, that was all over. You know that that was something that we couldn't really, you know, offer him. Other than, you know, guaranteed policies, which you pay throughout the, you know, throughout your life, a lot of money for. Mm -hmm. And um, typically, you know, they don't pay the entire death benefit for quite some time. So he was in a rough spot. He was in a rough spot. So that that one, you know, really hit me hard and actually helped me a lot more with my presentations, um, you know, advising people, you know, what to choose, you know, what plan would work best for them, uh, especially if they wanted
0: to, quote unquote, think it over. Well, and that's you know again another anecdote, but it's another example of yeah. Trust me, I'm human. There's been times that I've held up on decisions as well. We all do it. It's it's human nature, right? But at the same time, you know whether it was the story that I had shared about my wife's friend who had passed, or this situation where sometimes it can even be worse. You know, if you're going to become a burden to your family financially because of health problems, right? Like that's where disability comes into play, long-term care, which is really disability for the elderly, right? But at the same time, like now that he had COPD, you know, and he had a heart attack, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is that's now part of his health history. That's part of his health records. That all goes to the Medical Information Bureau. So if he's trying to go to another insurance company thinking that, you know, well, they're not going to find out, they're going to find out. Yeah. These insurance companies are telling each other that information to prevent any fraud from that. Yep. And so, yeah, that's a that's a tough story, man, to uh, to see in the beginning of your career, especially.
1: Yeah, you know, so it like I said, it, it really you know opened my eyes to you know the, the importance of you know getting it sooner rather than later. And honestly, at that point, I obviously wanted you know them to you know get it through through me through our company um, you know, and have me be their agent because I'm passionate about what I do. And I know all sorts of properly, yes. but you know, you also, as as a human, you want them to have something in place, you know? So I oftentimes, you know, if it doesn't turn out well, you know, for me, or if, you know, I'm, I'm prospecting and turns out they already have full coverage. They met with a Ryan Callahan already and they wanted to, oh, uh, you yeah, know, get could, sure. you know, so, um, but another quick story, you know, while I had John here, you know, I had um, something a little bit more serious, but really at the end made me feel good. I had a a couple clients, uh, John and Sarah, uh, they live down in uh, Connecticut, and you know, John and and I, we we sat down, we spoke about some additional coverage. He really only had basic coverage. Um, he had some through work, thankfully, uh, but not too much. And he really only had a basic package, you know, just something small. And uh, we spoke about having you know quite a bit more. They had just bought a very large house. Um, you know it was a little over half a million dollars. I think it was around six hundred thousand um, dollars that they had just purchased between the two of them. They had four kids, and uh, he really wasn't covered properly. And you know, we sat down, we talked about all the um, all the issues. He wasn't for it, you know, for it necessarily right away, but he knew he kind of had to do it. And, you know, he he talked about it a little bit with his wife, Sarah, and they ended up coming to the conclusion that it was the right thing to do. Uh, But it took long. It was like a three-hour presentation, you uh, you know, in the entire conversation. You know, it was something that I had to keep coming back with him and be like, you know, well, what if this happens? Or what if this happens? You know, what if you don't come home tomorrow? Um, you know, and he he did end, end up signing. He ended up getting an extra um, million dollars of coverage. So I felt a little bit better. His wife certainly felt a lot better. Um, and I think he came, you know, came away feeling better. So all my clients, they know if something happens, you know, whether they're hurt because we do have you know uh, policies for accidental health and everything else. If they get hurt, or God forbid, they do pass away. Inevitably, they will. Um, they know to give me a call first. So um, it was Halloween um, of last year and I got a call at seven in the morning from Sarah and Sarah was hysterical. And, you know, uh, after calming her down a little bit, she had told me that uh, John had went to work in the morning uh, and he usually leaves very, very early around 435 in the morning. And someone was coming the opposite way in the highway, fell asleep at the wheel and hit him head on. And it was literally, literally three days after he had gotten approved and got the policy. Memo. Jeez. So, you know, if if I hadn't <clears throat> been there and, and pushed them and this is not me making myself self-called to be a hero necessarily, um, but more so that, you know, persistence and making sure that they're covered properly can help someone tremendously. You know, if if it wasn't for our meeting and, you know, her really helping me convince him uh to get the proper coverage, um, you know, they would definitely have lost the house that they just built. You know, they would definitely um, you know, they they'd be screwed, be perfectly honest with you. And um, you know, now they get to keep that house where the kids had grown up in the past, you know, few years, and um, you know, they're they're still in it to this day. Uh, they're still in the same schools, you know, they're still in the same neighborhood, they didn't have to lose any friends, you know, they didn't have to move back with their parents or anything like that. So it's, um, you know, on the bright side of it, you know, they they came away with it, um, you know, with something that will protect the family for years to come, have some money for the girls to go to college um, and, and what have you. So that, while it's a very sad story on, you know, the the side of John um, and for his wife, Sarah, um, Long term, you know, his kids are really going to appreciate what he did and his wife is really going to appreciate what he did to protect them um, long term, you know, that they they, it's affecting, just like you said, it puts a burden on their family, you know, for the short term and it affects, you know, their growth over the years, you know, it it affects if they don't go to college, you know, it's changing a little bit nowadays, but if they don't go to college, get their degrees and, you know, have an opportunity to be successful, Nowadays, it costs money sometimes to do that, even Mm -hmm. if they want to be an entrepreneur, start their own business, just go to a a basic, you know, technological school. Still, everything costs money. And, um, you know, it's it's a good feeling knowing that because I was persistent and sat down and took the time to go over those benefits that um, they're okay.
0: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, uh, if you ask someone what their biggest asset is, usually people say their house. And it's like, no, it's your ability to earn income. You know, yeah. it's it's your life. You know, if something happens to you, how is that going to impact your spouse, your children, if you have them, right? Because it's not like, you know, there are plenty of people out there that, you know, let's say they're younger, right? And they're not married. But one of the things you always ask them is, well, do you have student loan debt? And if the answer is yes, and there was a cosigner on it, it's like, okay, well, maybe you should just have something so in case you get hit by a bus, your parent or your aunt or your uncle, whoever co-signed on that is not standing there holding in the bag, right? Yeah. For student loans. And that's And that could be minimal, right? In the grand scheme of traditional like term life insurance or something like that. But as soon as you buy that home with a spouse, or as soon as you start having children, you start realizing, hey, if something happened to me, right, how does this work? Because a lot of people say, well, you know, I pick up the slack, I'm still going to work, I'm still earning. And it's like, you're not realistically putting yourself in a situation of what would happen to you emotionally if yeah. you lost your spouse. But like my wife and I talk about it all the time. I mean, we have three boys. It's insane constantly, right? If one of us wasn't here, you know, forget, you know, paying the mortgage, forget all the other expenses. It's just life in general is going to be absolute chaos, right? Mm-hmm. Breathing, hardship, stress, all those things. And then, yeah, the bill's still got to be paid. And so, again, I think it's, yeah, it's unfortunate because for those folks that are pushing specific products that are more tied to compensation than need of the client, it jades everybody from looking at your own financial situation saying, am I adequately insured, mm-hmm. right? You're hard pressed to find people that don't have homeowners insurance policies, right? And yeah. what's the percentage of homes that burn to the ground, right? It's, it's virtually nothing. Like you said, we're all going to die someday. Now, it doesn't mean that we need life insurance for our whole life. In some cases, that makes sense. But for others, it's like, geez, if you're not even just looking at basic term life insurance, because I think too, you know, some people will focus on, well, I'm getting it through my job. You know, I'm getting it as a group benefit. I get one to maybe, you know, five times my salary. And I go, okay, that's fine. But again, one to five times salary is only replacing one to five years. Yeah. You know, what are you doing to you know help out with those other. 10 to 15, you know, that you're yeah. going to, need. and if you leave that, and if you leave that company, you don't take those group benefits with you. So yeah. to have your own individual policy, that's yours, no matter if you're working or not, you know, there's some value there. Again, regulators, I'm not recommending every, everybody needs to buy life insurance, but again, yeah. in generality, right. You know, that's, the conversations that we're having. So um, I appreciate you coming on, man. We have a couple more minutes here, you know, anything else that you wanted to share, whether it's based on your experience, just kind of thoughts on the business, you know, anything at all.
1: You know, my, my major, I guess, if you could say, you know, my message to people is to, you know, just go over your options. And if you don't have anything, get it. And don't assume, like you said, that the work coverage that you have is going to cover you. Because like you said, if, it, if, it, if you lose your uh, job, if you um, change jobs, all of them are going to have the same coverage. Once you retire, those benefits go away. Some people think it stays with them. You know, so a lot of times you need to be realistic with yourself. And like you said, you know, if they think they can pick up the slack after their spouse passes, you have to remember, not only emotionally, like you said, but also if you're picking up the slack by working more, you have to pay for childcare for the kids,
0: right?
1: you know? So you're going to need to make even more money in order to make that work. So how many jobs are you going to work? You know, three? So how many are you going to work in order to make ends meet? And then you're never going to see your kids. Yeah. So, okay. you know, you, you've got to make the right decisions. And, you know, if you do have a uh, licensed professional in front of you, just listen to them. You know, it doesn't mean you have to, uh, you know, you have to throw away, you know, your entire checkbook that day. Right. But listen to them, you know, listen to what they have to say and, you know, go over your options and don't wait on it. You know, if it's uh, if it's something you need, you have a gap in your coverage. Um, you know, you need to listen to somebody and go with what fits your budget, but also what's going to cover your family properly. And if that takes you know a little extra um, little extra time, that's fine. But also find a, a company and an agent that works with you that is going to be checking up on you, you know, uh, every year or so to make sure that things haven't changed, that your beneficiaries haven't changed, your banking info is going to be the same. Things that could, you know, cause your policy to to lapse isn't going to change. You know, a lot of companies, you know, most of them are good, but there's some companies out there that are just going to send you a letter and ask you to increase your policy next year. You know, so if you can find an agent, an advisor such as yourself, Ryan, somebody that's going to be a little bit more personal with you and give you that service and, uh, and everything else that's your best bet.
0: Yeah. And no, I, I really appreciate you coming on, man. I I'm so happy to see all the success you're having. Um, you got a beautiful family, right? The future's bright and you're doing a great service. You're helping people out that, that need it most. And, um, I think, yeah, in this, in this industry, right. It's, you know, again, those union folks, This is not what they do every day. You know, even folks that I work with who may not be in a union, they may do something else. It could even be somewhat financially related, but it doesn't mean that they know what we know, because again, this is just what we do for a living. I tell clients all the time, if they ever say to me, you know, "Oh, wow, you know a lot about this. I go, yeah, I know nothing about what you do. You know, I have numerous clients that come to me that are super educated, super smart. If I ever went on their job site or if I went to their office, I would be completely useless. I have no idea what they do, but again, this is, you know, you've seen the experiences, you know, those stories that you shared and you're just trying to educate and and help people out. And so good for you, you know, for doing that. So I wish you all the best, my man. Thank you for taking some time to join us today. And uh, yeah, all the best, buddy. Hopefully, personally, uh, we'll be catching up sooner than every fifteen years. You know, what absolutely, I mean? man. Absolutely, <laughs> rather
1: than later, bud. Oh, come up to Nashville, or you got to come down and see me. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Mike. All right, buddy.
0: Definition of insurance is a thing providing protection against a possible eventuality. We insure our homes, we insure our cars, and boats, and diamond rings. Yet most of us do not insure the one thing that is certain, and that's the loss of our life. If you ask the average person what their most valuable asset is, they may list one of those insurable assets, when in fact, for most people, their most valuable asset is their ability to continue to work and earn income. Overall financial planning is not just about stocks and bonds, but it is very much about the conversation that we just had today, and I hope you learned something from it. As always, avoid the noise, stay on your plan, and never stop learning. Until next time, folks, take care. The comments on this podcast are that of the participants and should not be viewed as comments made by LPL Financial or Northeast Planning Associates. Content on this episode should not be considered investment advice, but strictly as educational information.